0: You know, when I was about 10 years old, uh, so not much older than some of the kids and young people, in the same age as some of the kids and young people who came up here this morning, when I was about 10 years old, my dad taught me a game. I loved this game. It was a card game, but it involved, and I want to see if anybody else knows this game, by the way, because I I asked this at our first service this morning, and nobody else knew this game at all, so we'll see if anybody else knows it. So it was a card game. Everybody who plays, every player in the game, got a pack of cards. So we all had our own deck of cards, and then somebody shouted, ready, set, go, and what you had to do is you had to count out 12 cards face down in a stack. I have forgotten to count. Uh, So I don't know how many we've got, but anyway, about 12. Somebody's telling me that's 12. That's good. And then you turned over the 13th card on top, and then you put four other cards out alongside it. And then basically all the competitors, so we all had our own stacks, and starting with it, if anybody had an ace... You got to put an ace in the middle, so everybody put their aces in the middle, and then if anybody had a two, they could go on top of the two and so on and so forth. The idea was to try and get rid of all the cards that you'd laid out here by building up ace all the way up to king, and it basically was a race. So you were just trying to do it as quickly as you could. If you couldn't play, you were allowed to turn over three cards at a time, like this, until you could play. And basically, everybody was watching out because they knew what they had in their stack. Like, I've got a four here, so you'd be waiting for the three to go down, and then you'd slam your four down. Somebody else would have a four, so they'd try and slam their four down. Everybody would hit each other's hands and, like, cause damage and scarring and all that kind of stuff. But it was great, and we loved it. Does anybody know that game? Was it just my... Oh, okay. Brilliant, so some other people know that game. D- does anybody know, what did you call it? Can it? It had a rude name. It had a rude name. Well, don't shout that out, then. <laughs> um, uh, so we, it didn't have a rude name in our house, did it? <laughs> it's obviously just, <laughs> I'm sorry, I <Anna>, just really. <laughs> and I just called your name out on YouTube as well, so everybody knows who it was now. Brilliant, right. Uh, anybody else? Know, what? Devil's Patience. Devil's Patience, that's interesting. That wasn't what we called it, but very similar name we called it. Anybody else? War? You just called it war, (laughs) Eddie. What did did you? The king's race? You called it. Okay. Well, in our house, it was called Racing Demon. That's what it was called. And this, this pile you were trying to get rid of, was called your Demon pile. That's what we called it. So we called it Racing Demon. Now we played that a lot when I was a a kid, and then didn't play it for years and years and years and years and years. Didn't come across it, didn't teach my kids it, anything like that. And then we went away on holiday this last April. And the place that we were staying in, like places sometimes you go and stay in on holiday, had a a stack of games that people could play who were using the apartment that we were staying in. And in the pile of games was this. And I was intrigued by this, and it just says on the outside, demon. Just says demon on the outside. So I thought, well, I wonder what that is. So I opened up this pack, and lo and behold, it's Racing Demon, Devil's Patience, The Kings, whatever it was, rude name uh, that you called it. It was that game, but set in a really gorgeous box with colored cards, these were all playing cards. I was so excited, so we all played it. And Then even more excitingly last month or a few days ago when it was my birthday I got given my own set of demon playing cards And now we play it and I make everybody play it and I'm really good at it I just want to say that which is also why I like playing it because I usually win so uh, that's good Uh, And it just reminded me when I was thinking of that and I was thinking about what I was going to be talking about today I was thinking how much stuff there is around and about us in our world, in our society that has those kinds of names, that has the sort of the name of devil or demon. Have we got any Manchester United fans in today? Any Man United fans? What's the nickname of Manchester United? Anybody tell me? The Red Devils. What about the Army Parachute Display Team? We used to have a guy in our church called Alexis who was a part of the British Army Parachute Display Team. Anybody know what that's called? The Red Devils. All around us there's this kind of language and metaphor that's being used. We use it in sayings and phrases as well. Have you ever thought of this one? Uh, Sometimes we say the something is in the detail. The what's in the detail? The devil is in the detail. We use this kind of language all the time. Now, in this series, we're talking about miracles. We're talking about those things that happen, or that we'd like to happen, that we say, well, that'll only happen when pigs fly. And we've been talking about that throughout this series, and we're indebted to one of our partner churches, a church called The Forge, who have kind of inspired us with the idea for this series and helped us with it. And we've been defining a miracle as a time where the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God intervenes in the life of people, intervenes in our lives. And we're saying, is it still possible to believe in a God who does miracles? And we're talking over four weeks about four different kinds of miracles. Because in God's story in the Bible, we discover that every miracle, virtually every miracle, fits into one of four categories. We're talking about miracles of provision, protection, healing. And this week, the third part of the series, we're talking about miracles of deliverance. And deliverance may be the least talked about type of miracle. And it can, if we're honest, feel a little bit weird. When we talk about deliverance from the forces of darkness, it sounds like something out of Star Wars. And by the way, we had some great Star Wars chat from the studio. If you're on the live stream, you know this from the studio before the service with Tom and Josh today. We were talking about good versus evil stories. And when we think about deliverance, it can begin to feel a little bit like that. What what are we talking about? And some of you right now, either here on site with us or online, may be thinking, this is going to get weird. I'm not sure whether I really believe in the forces of darkness. So you're either thinking this is gonna get weird, or this is gonna get really heavy, and why on earth is he talking about this on a big story Sunday? I promise you, I've asked myself that question too in preparation for today. But I think this is really important, and it's really important for all of us, because whether we're children, young people, or adults, we see this whole good versus evil metaphor story all around us. Someone once said that the greatest trick the devil has ever played is to convince people that he doesn't exist. But I think even the most hardened spiritual skeptic, and this may be you, you may be exploring faith, you may be a hardened spiritual skeptic, but even you would have to admit that there does seem to be forces of darkness or evil at work in our world. And whilst we call games racing demon or football teams red devils or whatever it might be, I think we'd all have to agree that this is more than just a silly nickname or a name for a card game. There are forces of darkness at work in our world. Jesus once said this, and this is a famous verse. If you're not a church person, uh, you may not know this verse, but around the church world, this is a famous verse. Jesus said this, this is in John's account of Jesus's life in the New Testament. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And Christians love quoting this verse but we only really quote the second half of it very often, the bit after the semicolon. We said, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life in all its fullness, or life and have it to the full. But there is a first part of this same verse. It says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And we see that all around us, don't we? We see things going on in our world that would rob us of joy Or life in all its fullness. It might be famine or addiction or self-harm or war. You don't have to be a Christian to see evil in our world, to see joy and fullness of life being robbed from people. And Christians believe that there is a force of evil that battles against God. It's not just a crazy nickname for a football team. There is a force of evil that battles against God and against the good that God longs for, for us and for our world. We believe that Christianity is not a playground, it's a battleground, and that there is a battle going on between good and evil. Paul, one of Jesus' first followers, reflects on this battle that's going on in our world in a letter he wrote to a church in a place called Ephesus. Look at what he says in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. This is the letter that he wrote to the people in Ephesus in the New Testament uh, part of the Bible. He says this, For our struggle, our battle, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He tells the folks, Paul tells the folks in Ephesus, and he tells us too, that there isn't uh, an enemy. We don't just have a flesh and blood enemy. In fact, very often, our enemies are not flesh and blood, not other people, our enemies. The battle that's going on is against darkness and evil. And again, I say again, even if you're not a Christian, you'd have to admit that it seems that that battle is going on in our world. Paul says, this isn't a worldly battle, this is a spiritual battle. And we're not really too sure, if we're honest, how this devil came about. Uh, If you uh, read through the Bible, you can find many references to the devil, but not a huge amount about how the devil came to be. The Bible does seem to talk about rebellion or a rebellion in heaven an angel who decided that he wanted to be god the prophet isaiah in the old testament tells us about this that this angel five times declares i will be like god and rebels against god so god casts that angel out of heaven that's the origins of the devil there's lots of debate about all of that and it feels I think a little bit unreal or a little bit strange when we think about that until we look at the world around us and we see that there is evil there and there are two big mistakes I think we make when it comes to the work of the devil first of all we overemphasise the work of the devil we we find the devil or a demon under every rock or behind every door or every bad thing that happens to us must be the result of the devil. We overemphasize when actually sometimes it's just the result of a bad decision or choice that we made. Some people might say this, for example, I'm broke because of the devil. Well, maybe that's not true. Maybe you're broke because you spent too much money on clothes, you've bought the latest iPhone and a car you can't afford. It's not the work of the devil, that's the choices that you made. But the second mistake, if the first mistake is we can overemphasize, the second mistake we can make is to underemphasize, to bury our heads in the sand because the devil does affect us evil does affect us here's three ways the evil or devil will try to tempt us to take us away from god's will for our lives and the devil does this in a really surreptitious way the devil minimizes sin on the front side and maximizes it on the back side let me explain what i mean by that on the front side When we're tempted into something we know is not what God would want for us, or we know isn't right for us, we'll hear those whispers. Everybody's doing it. You deserve it. You've had a busy week. Something's going on. You deserve it. You need it. It's not that bad. Have it. Watch it. It's not that bad. And then when we fall into that temptation, on the backside of that, we hear those whispers that says God could never love you because you've done X, Y, or Z. God could never value you. God could never use you. And they are both equally bad and equally untrue. They are the work of the forces of darkness. Second thing that evil would try to do is it would try to lure us away from God's will. Evil will try to distract us from doing the will of God, to rob us of the joy that comes from walking with God, to lure us away from God. And the third thing, evil will try to, the devil will try to inflict suffering on us. So there's all the bad news, by the way, and it's got heavy, and I can tell from your faces, and I'm sure it's true for you online as well, we've got quite deep and quite heavy there. That's the bad news, right? Here's the good news, and hear this loud and clear. Jesus came to set us free. He came not to be served, but to serve. He came to give life and life more abundantly. He came to set the captives free and to stand against the forces of darkness. Where the devil would try to rob us of our freedom and our joy, to steal and to destroy and to inflict pain by hurting our marriages or causing harmful thoughts or getting us locked into addictive patterns or into a mess with our finances. Where the kingdom of darkness would try to do that to us, Jesus says, I've come to set you free, to bring you joy and life, and the devil wants to hurt what matters to God, and nothing matters more to God than you. Nothing matters more to God than you. So the powers of darkness would try to get at you, but Paul says there is an antidote. Here's more good news. Paul says this uh, the next verse to that struggle-battle stuff he's talking about. Therefore, put on the full armour of God. That that we were talking about just now in our big story. Put on the full armour of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. This is the armour of God. And he goes on to say... Stand firm then, and here we go with the description of all these pieces of armour. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the truth that comes from knowing God loves us. Jesus died for us and set us free. The, truth of, uh, the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, knowing that we stand holy and righteous in the presence of God because of what Jesus has done. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, knowing the peace that Jesus offers. goes on, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the saving grace of God, and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's presence, the Word of God. This is the armour of God through which God offers us a miracle of deliverance from the evil that would rob us of our joy and of life in all its fullness. And that armour is about the truth of who God is, the righteousness that comes from the deliverance that God brings to us, the peace that knowing Jesus brings, the shield that faith offers, the saving grace of our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit, his presence with us. Jesus says, Paul says, with the armor of God, evil won't win, the devil is defeated, and we can stand strong in the miracle of deliverance that God gives to us. That's the good news. So what are we to do then if we recognize we're in a spiritual battle? Should we be afraid? Should we cower in the corner? If you're a Jesus follower, there is something that you need to know. And you need to hear this loud and clear. You have been given the miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. Not in your name, but in the name of Jesus. We're not fighting against the forces of darkness in our own strength and power, but in the power and authority of Jesus. We are involved in a spiritual battle. We are. It's a battle over our life choices, our relationships, our finances, our internet viewing, our social media posts and our social media responses. We shouldn't look for the devil and evil behind every door and under every rock. Let's not overemphasize the power of evil. Sometimes life does throw things at us, but let's not close our eyes either to the influence of evil. So how should we respond then if we're not going to carry in the corner, if we're going to stand in the authority that is given to us in the name of Jesus, how are we going to respond if we feel that we're in a battle or we're under spiritual attack? Well, my friend, Steve, who leads that church I mentioned earlier, the Forge Church, he says it like this, and I love this, so I'm just borrowing this completely from him. He says, do what is practical and wise and pray for a miraculous intervention of God. I love that. How do you stand firm against the powers of darkness when it's coming against you in your life? Do what is practical and wise and pray for a supernatural intervention of the miracle working God. They can go together If you're facing marriage problems, do what is practical and wise, get some help, speak to somebody, get some marriage counseling and get people to pray for you for a miraculous intervention of the supernatural God. If you're having panic attacks and suffering from anxiety, do what is practical and wise, go and see a doctor and pray in the name of Jesus for a supernatural intervention of the miraculous deliverance making God. And if you're struggling to really believe that God loves you and accepts you just as you are, do what is practical and wise. Get in a connect group with others who can support you. Get onto an alpha course next time we run it, where we can talk to you about the basics of the Christian faith. Ask a friend or a leader to pray for you, and ask God to miraculously intervene to show you just how much you are valued by him and to break the hold that those lies you've been told or believed have over you. So where do you need a miraculous intervention of the supernatural God in your life? Where is a battle raging at the moment for you? Do what is practical and wise and pray for the miraculous intervention of God. And one final thing. Let me tell you something about darkness. Darkness is not, as we so often say, the opposite of light. Darkness is not the opposite of light. It is the absence of light. And who did Jesus claim to be? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And wherever there is light, darkness can't win. Light always overpowers darkness. So when we pray, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Because Jesus has already achieved it. We're fighting in the name of the one who overcame death, who overcame darkness, and who overcame evil. And in his name, the darkness will not win. In his name, Jesus, the light of the world, the victory comes in and through him. Let's pray together. So I want to ask you this morning, as we pray right now, just before Andy comes to lead us. I want to ask you, is there something in your life where you feel that battle raging, where you feel that darkness is coming upon you? I want to ask you to bring that to mind right now. Lord God, we pray for those of us, either in the room here or online, who just have that sense that the power of darkness is very present and real right now. And Lord God, I guess all of us, whether we're in that situation right now or not, we'd all look at our world and we'd look at the world and we'd think darkness seems to be winning. Sometimes we think about Ukraine, we think about other war torn parts of the world. We think about the suffering in Afghanistan right now with that earthquake that's taken place quite recently. We think of all of that and it feels to us like darkness is winning sometimes. And then we remember that on that first Good Friday when Jesus went to the cross, when he died there, it felt like darkness had won. His followers fled, he was buried in a tomb, and it felt like darkness had won. But then there was Resurrection Day, when Jesus rose from the dead to show that darkness will not win, that the light bursts forth from that empty tomb, and has spread all over the world. So when we feel like maybe darkness is winning, well, let us be reminded of Resurrection Day. That darkness does not win, that Jesus has overcome. And in his name and in his authority, we pray, Lord God, for the light to break in to our world, to those war-torn situations, to the situations of famine and loss, And Lord, into our lives, we pray, may the light break in. Help us to stand firm in the armour of God, knowing that darkness will not win, that you, Jesus, have overcome, and that you are the light of the world and the light of our lives. May we know that now, we pray, amen.